Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. 17 to 18 years ago for me, I can honestly tell you that um, nothing would make my hands clam up more than public speaking, heights, snakes, and prayer. I want to say that to you one more time because you may have trouble believing that. 17 to 18 years ago, nothing would make my hands clam up more than public speaking, heights, snakes, and what we're talking about here today, prayer. I mean, the thought 17 to 18 years ago, the thought, just the thought of even being asked to pray used to just stress me out. Can, can any of you relate to that a little bit? Don't, don't leave me hanging, please, all right? I mean, I don't know what it was. It could have been the, the thought of being asked to pray and maybe praying the wrong thing or using the wrong words. Again, I'm sure some of you can relate. But back then in my ministry journey, the Lord quickly pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I began in circles to get called upon to pray in small groups and even in front of people. And for months, I dreaded it every time. Thankfully, the Lord kind of helped me get past that and helped me get more comfortable with that. But I do have to confess to you that around years five to eight of my ministry, I became sort of cynical about prayer. I really did. I think Bible college had a little bit to do with that, and that's not really necessarily anybody's fault. But as I mentioned a little bit last week, like in Bible college, you have a lot of people that when they pray, they pray in KJV only. And at times that didn't seem real to me, didn't seem real genuine. And in a way, it kind of turned me off to prayer. And so there were times when I would go to small groups or Bible studies or even be invited to prayer meetings where when it came time to pray, I just kind of dreaded it. I'll never forget several times being asked to come to a prayer gathering and at prayer gatherings, somebody leading the prayer meeting would be like, all right, we're going to circle up and we're going to join hands and we're going to pray. And I'd be like, oh gosh, I don't want to join hands with anybody. You know, like that's weird. Why do I have to join hands and pray? But I'm thankful that God's patient. I'm thankful that uh, years ago, God began to push me out of my comfort zone. And I'm really thankful that God patiently walked me through my cynicism. Because around 2011, I can honestly say that the Lord began to really help me see uh, that prayer is very powerful. And that prayer uh, is essential to the life of the believer. He helped me to see that uh, prayer is powerful both for us individually and also collectively as God's people. I can honestly say to you that I have come to see prayer as um, what oxygen is to the human body. I genuinely believe that's what prayer is to the believer. That if, if we neglect to pray, then spiritually we're barely even like experiencing and tasting and seeing all that God 
has for us. So I believe it's imperative that as believers that we converse with our Father in heaven through prayer. That said, today we're in week two of a new message series that we started last week here at Collective entitled, uh, When You Pray. This is a study of Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And when you begin in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 5, Jesus said to his disciples, to his listeners, and he says it to you and I today, but he said the words, whenever you pray. And, and that's where we get our series title for this series of messages. But after he said, whenever you pray, he proceeded to give us some very practical instructions about how to talk to the Lord and how to converse with the Lord through prayer. So very quickly, before we jump into today's content, let me give you a very, very brief refresher of last week's message in case you missed it. Or if you were here, just let me kind of catch you up once again and remind you where we've been. Uh, last week's sermon in week one was titled, As You Enter In. And in verses five through nine, we observed, we observed that Jesus spent more time telling us how to enter into prayer than he did telling us what to pray. It's an observation that I had never made before until I was preparing for last week's sermon, that Jesus spent more time telling us how to enter into prayer than he did telling us what to pray. What's that say to us? That says to us, or should say to us, that how we enter into our times of prayer with the Lord is very important. That it can even determine what we get out of it. It determines our motive. It determines uh, what we hear from the Lord and what we may even say to the Lord. And so Jesus taught us in that passage last week that when we enter in, we enter in in sincerity. He said in verse 5, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. And the hypocrites in his day, the most religious spiritual people, at least they thought they were, they would go and stand in some of the most visible places and they would pray publicly, loud uh, prayers. But Jesus says, I don't want you to pray that way. I want you to pray sincerely. He taught us that we are to pray in seclusion. He mentions the prayer closet. And we talked about how the prayer closet is wherever you need it to be at any given time when you need to call on the name of Jesus. We learn that we are to pray with simplicity and in verse 8, with a simple faith that there is no need or request for the Father in heaven that is too small or too great. We closed out last week's message by talking about that we are able to enter into prayer, into God's throne room as sons and daughters. And that right there changes everything. That you and I as sinful human beings that Jesus loves us so much and redeems us by the power of his blood that we then have the privilege of accessing God directly in prayer, in his throne room, as sons and daughters. That's amazing to me. That never gets old to me when I hear that. And so today as we continue with part two, the title of our message is, I Honor You. I Honor You. 
And we're now working our way into verses 9 through 13, where we will be for the remainder of this series. And this is a good point for me to kind of share with you where we're headed over the next several weeks. These are the things we'll be covering throughout the rest of this sermon series. Christ gives us, in this passage, six areas of prayer. Before I go there, though, let me back up a little bit. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it's commonly referred to as either the Lord's Prayer, the Model Prayer, or the Disciples' Prayer. I actually love the phrase, the Disciples' Prayer, because although it was the Lord that prayed the prayer and modeled it for us, he was giving you and I as disciples a pattern to follow. In fact, D.L. Moody said it this way. He said, the Disciples' Prayer is not a prayer necessarily to be recited, but instead a pattern to be followed. There's nothing wrong with memorizing this. We should memorize scripture. There's nothing wrong at times with reciting it. But don't get caught up in the trap of legalism or religion and thinking that when you pray, you have to pray these exact words. It's not a prayer necessarily to be recited, but it is a pattern to be followed. And so in the disciples' prayer, Christ gives us six areas of prayer, and we'll see these over the next few weeks. Number one, adoration. Number two, alignment. Number three, access. Number four, assessment. Number five, armor. And number six, acknowledgement. I can't wait to get into all of that with you. We want to jump back to that first one today in verse 9. And that is adoration. Adoration. We want to talk about adoring God in our prayer, which is where we get our title, God, I honor you. Go with me now to verse 9, and let's read this verse together. Jesus said, so pray this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. Now, if you're taking notes... If you're underlining in your Bible or highlighting on your mobile device, I want you to circle, underline, or pay attention to three words this morning. I want you to underline Father, I want you to underline Heaven, and I want you to underline the word Honored. In some translation, it it says the word Hallowed. What we want to do now is recognize three things this morning and the rest of our time together. Number one, I want you to recognize His name. Once you and I have entered into the throne room, once we have prepared ourselves to pray and to converse with our Lord in heaven, Jesus says that we are to approach him as our Father. Our Father. We are just a few months away from Father's Day. Just a few months away from Father's Day. It's hard to believe we're already in March. But in just a few short months, it'll be Father's Day. And Father's Day comes with a mix of emotions for people. Good, bad, sad, reflective, and celebratory. But I want to I tell you something this morning, church. The Father in heaven, the God that you and I belong to as born-again believers, he cares about you and I far more than even the greatest father on earth. See, when we come up to Father's Day, we will, many of us will celebrate our dads. 
You'll see posts on Facebook and social media about, man, my dad's the greatest ever, and dad, you're the greatest. And we'll all have these memories that we celebrate with our dads of great and good things that our dads did, and we should be thankful for that. We should celebrate dads. But here's what I want us to really see today. Listen, none of us earthly dads measure up to the Father in heaven. There is no father on earth that can love you and care about you like the Father in heaven can love you and care about you. Uh, One of the things that I say to my kids often when I'm with them, if I'm putting them to bed at night or spending time with them and telling them I love them, I will usually always follow it up with this question. I'll say, Jack, Cora, do you know who loves you even more than dad? And now they know the answer to it. Cora will say, God loves me more than you. Jack will say, God loves me more than you. I want them to know that. I want them to know that their father in heaven can meet greater needs than their father on earth can. I want them to know that the father in heaven loves them even more than their earthly father loves them. Don't get me wrong. I want them to see the provision of the Lord through me. I want them to see the love of their Father in heaven through me, but I also want them to know and accept that the Father in heaven is greater than I. And I don't know about you, but it's awesome to me to know this, that when we enter into prayer and when we settle into the throne room of God, we adore Him and we honor Him as our Father. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way. You can follow along on the screens in his uh, sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you want to make contact with God, and if you want to feel his everlasting arms about you, put your hand upon your mouth for a moment as you enter in. And stop for a moment and remind yourself of what you are about to do. Do you know that the essence of true prayer is found in the two words, our Father? He goes on to say, I suggest that if you can say from your heart, whatever your condition, my Father, in a sense, your prayer is already answered. Don't forget, church, whose you are. Who you belong to. Oftentimes when life gets difficult, when things don't go the way we hoped they would go, we begin to wring our hands, we begin to try to manipulate circumstances, we begin to try to take control and figure things out all on our own, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father are sitting there trying to go, no, I'm trying to use your needs and your circumstances to drive you into the throne room to talk to your Father in heaven. What a privilege that is. That no matter what you're up against today, no matter what you face this week, you have, as a born-again, redeemed child of the one true king, direct access to who? Your Father in heaven. Which brings us to our second point. I want you to recognize not only his name, but also his location. He is not our Father on earth. He is Father in heaven. Father in heaven. Henry Blackaby describes it this way. He says, the words in heaven teach us that God is holy 
and that we must approach him with respect. He is in heaven while we still remain upon earth. Blackaby says here, there's a wonderful balance in what Jesus teaches here. We intimately call upon God as Father, while those words in heaven remind us also of his infinite greatness and the vast realm of his presence and activity. In heaven brings to mind as well the immensity of everything he possesses as sovereign over all things. As we come to God in prayer, we come to our loving Father who remains on his throne with all the resources of heaven and earth at his disposal on our behalf. So here's the deal. Jesus knew when he was teaching this and when he's teaching it to us through his word today, Jesus knew that heaven and earth are closely tied together. See, when you pray, when we pray, we bring the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God a little nearer here on earth. That's why we'll get into this in another week or so, that when we pray this prayer, it says that we are to pray, God, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we access God in heaven, our Father in heaven, we bring the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven a little nearer into our circumstances. And when we do that, things begin to shift and change in our lives and in our families and in our churches while we are still here on earth. See, folks, God, while he is in heaven, he is also present here. Don't don't fail to realize that. He is present here. His rule on earth is real. And while things may seem out of control or chaotic in our world today, and they are, there's one who has not lost control. And that's our Lord in heaven. That's our Father. That's the Prince of Peace. That's the Wonderful Counselor. That's Almighty God. That's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Listen, his plan will come about. His purposes will come to fruition. It doesn't matter what ruler or which leader around the world chooses to do what. God remains on his throne and he is in control. And here's the thing. When you watch the news, when you read the news, when you hear what people are saying, you don't have to wring your hands. You don't have to worry. In fact, Jesus says when you worry, pray. And that in that moment when you pray that he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. Folks, listen to this. Our Father in heaven, he can be counted on. He's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And he does all of this from his throne in heaven. Which brings me to our third and final point this morning. We want to notice his name. We want to see his location but we also want to notice his majesty. His majesty. You go on in verse 9 there, it says that we approach him, we approach him as our Father in heaven. May your name be honored. May your name be honored. We adore him and we honor him because of his majesty, because of who he is. Let me remind you what Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1 says. The writer of Hebrews there says that we have such a high priest, one who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. 
I want us to look at a couple of Greek words here for a minute dealing with honor. Uh, the first Greek word is the word atemos. The word atemos means without honor. It means to dishonor, to treat as common or ordinary. I have to tell you, as your pastor and even as an individual today, I have to say I think sometimes we are guilty of approaching the Lord as ordinary. I really do. I think we are. And I think we're guilty of that by getting into just a routine of reciting prayers. I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. For example, you may go your whole day without ever conversing with Jesus, but all of a sudden it's time to have dinner and you want to teach your kids to bless the food. So what do you do? You quickly just rush into the presence of God and bless the food. And what do you do in that moment? You treat them as ordinary. You treat them as commonplace. And when you do that, you water down the word of God and you water down the gospel of Jesus when you treat them as common or ordinary. This is why Jesus tells us when we pray that we are to adore him and that we are to honor him. In other words, we don't rush through it. We take time to acknowledge who we are kneeling before and who we are talking to. The Greek word honor is the word teme. And teme means to value, to respect, to highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, and valuable. And that's how the Lord says we are to approach our Father in heaven when we talk to him. Don't misunderstand me here. If you've been born again in Jesus, you are a friend of God. The Bible says that we are friends with God. He is our Father. We are His children. But He is anything but ordinary. He's not ordinary. He's a good and awesome God. He is our majesty, and we are to value him. We are to respect him. We highly esteem him. We treat him as precious and weighty and valuable. Why? Because apart from him, you and I, our eternal destinies are destruction. But because of his love, we are lifted up out of the pit here on earth and can live for his purposes and fulfill his plans for our lives while we walk through earth on our way to heaven. I got to hang out with a man from our church just a few days ago over coffee. And this fellow's wrestling through some things in his faith journey right now. And he, he said to me, he said, I got to be honest with you. He said, one of the things I really, really struggle with is heaven. He said, like, really, what are we going to do for all of eternity? Listen, folks, if you will dig just a little bit deeper past your devotions, the Bible has a whole lot of stuff to say about heaven. A book I recommend on heaven is called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Great book on heaven. But I believe, and you may think I'm a little weird about this, but I believe we get glimpses of heaven every day here on earth. But they're broken because we live in a broken place. But there's coming a day where Jesus is going to fulfill his plan 
I don't know what all this looks like, but the Bible promises that Jesus will bring a new heaven and a new earth, and everything will be made right, and that we will be reunited with loved ones in heaven that had called on the name of Jesus to be saved. We will have perfect fellowship with God's people. We're not going to care about worship styles in heaven. You're not going to care if some folks in heaven were Pentecostal on earth. You're not going to care if they were assembly of God here on earth. All we're going to be consumed with is that Jesus is on his throne and that he is going to reign forever as king of kings and lord of lords. That's what we will be consumed with. I believe the Bible teaches that we are going to have jobs in heaven. I believe that the jobs that we have in heaven are going to be assigned to us based on how we stewarded our time here on earth. I really do believe that. I believe scripture teaches it, that the Lord is watching us and he is seeing how we stewarded things here on earth with the knowledge that he gave us and that when we stand before his throne one day, he will reward us accordingly. Study up on it. Heaven's gonna be an awesome place. But in the meantime, as children of God, we have direct access to our Father in heaven, may his name be honored. As Marianne makes her way to the stage and as we get ready to open up the altars, I want to read to you a verse or a couple of verses from one of my favorite songs. It's a song called uh, Talking to Jesus. Some of you may be familiar with it. The words say this. There's no bad time to start. It doesn't have to sound pretty. Just tell him what's on your heart. Because it's not a religion. No, it's more like a friendship. So just talk to your father like you are his kid. Just start talking to Jesus. Can we talk to Jesus for a few moments this morning, church? Can we go into the throne room of God and just bask in his presence today and be a people of prayer for a few moments and not rush it and just enjoy who we belong to. Our Father in heaven, may his name be honored. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.